0: down like rain. Love that I can't explain. Peace that stills my soul. Light in the darkest place. life even in the pain. Feels like coming home. Where the Spirit
1: First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you're a part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting, our Bible study is revealing, and our prayers impactful. We also hope that God's love and presence is felt while you worship with us this morning. There's a lot happening here at First Church. Please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. A few items to note. The rose on the altar is in honor of Lee and Gloria Scherer for celebrating 63 years of marriage tomorrow, May 24th. Happy anniversary to the Schraers. We extend our love and sympathy to the family of Dorothy Egan. Dorothy entered Christ's care on Monday, May 17th. She was 92. She's never present smile in our church for many years. The family will have a memorial service later in the summer. <clears throat> Today is the last day of Sunday school. Classes will break for summer and resume in the fall. Thank you to all the teachers who uh, teach our children each Sunday. Today is also the last day of the for the choir. They'll take a break for the summer and be back in the fall. Also, thank you to the choir members and, and director Holly. For all your hard work and, and preparing uh, excellent music for us to worship. The next wonderful Wednesday meal is this Wednesday, May 26. There, uh, these are open to the community. If you know someone who would like a meal, please let us know. We invite you to join us in the Ministry Center for dinner and fellowship together as a community between 6 and 7. The menu for this uh, week is hamburgers, hot dogs, salads, Chips and Cookies. If you're able to help with the grill on Wednesday night, please see Michelle Dillon or Pastor Joel. We are about to go under construction. The exciting week of Vacation Bible School is almost here for our kids and adults that love to share their faith in an energy-packed environment. VBS is June 7th to the 11th. If you haven't registered your kids or grandkids, there's, there's still time to do so. Teachers and helpers. There will be a BBS meeting on Thursday, May 27th at 6.30 p.m. in the ministry center. Craft leaders are looking for old magazines uh, that can be cut up. There's a box over in the info center uh, that you can bring them and and put them in or take them to the office uh, during the week. Lastly, if you're looking for something to do this afternoon, the NK Historical Society will be open for the first time in over a year. Stop by between 1 and 4 and see the renovations and updates that they've made to the, to the house and, and buildings and gather with, uh, gather with them. Next, would you please rise and join me for the call to worship? The call to worship is taken from Acts 2. Our God will power out the Spirit on all flesh, and our daughters and sons shall prophesy. Our old ones shall shall dream dreams, and our young ones shall see visions, and all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Come, let us call upon the name of the Lord. And now we'll have our praise song, Holy Spirit.
0: your presence.
1: Now we can have those energy-packed kiddos come up here for Children's Chat with Mrs. Lamers.
2: Is this all we have? Oh, there we go. Get close. You have to get close. How are you this morning? Good? We Last week, we talked about Jesus going to heaven. Who was he going to go to heaven to see, to be with? God. He, God, his Father, right? And he made his followers a promise. Remember what that promise was? You do? What did he promise he was going to send them? A helper? Did he say he was going to? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit's kind of like my fan. You like my fan? Ooh, who wants to sit with me during church? Huh? Can you feel it? Get closer so you can feel it. Get closer. You feel it? Huh? Oh, man, that feels great, doesn't it? The only thing I didn't do was put the water in here because I could go. Would you like that? I'm not sure mom and dad. Can you feel it? Yeah, I get close. It feels really strong, doesn't it? Well, on the Ascension Day, Jesus went up into the clouds to be with his Father in heaven. He told his followers he would send them a helper. Now, days after Jesus went to heaven, God sent his Holy Spirit to his followers, like Jesus said. And the Holy Spirit filled all of his followers And this happened on the day called Pentecost. Can you say that? Pentecost. Pentecost. Yeah. Pastor Joel's going to talk about that today. Now, the Holy Spirit's like wind. Do you see the wind coming from the fan? You can feel it. You kind of hear the fan going. "Hmm?" But you can't see it. That's right. You cannot see it. And the Holy Spirit's kind of like that. The Holy Spirit is there to talk to our hearts. Now, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be a friend to us and to help us understand God and know the right thing to do. The Holy Spirit warms our heart with good things and love and reminds us that Jesus loves us. Now, the Holy Spirit moves all the time. It pours out love into us so we can share the love of Jesus and God. Now, when God answers our prayers, pray a lot and read the Bible and rely on God, we feel stronger, just like the fan is coming closer. Does it feel stronger? Huh? Does it feel strong when it's close to you? Yeah. Oh, you're all going to sit with me, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So when we really trust in God, pray to him, rely on him, that Holy Spirit feels really, really strong. And we can feel his presence. It just makes us feel good. And God always loves us. And he sends it just like the wind from this fan. But if you all back up, do you feel it? Do you feel the wind? The Holy Spirit's still blowing, isn't it? But do you feel it? So how can you get closer to the Holy Spirit again? You pray to God. You read the Bible. You do good things. You ask for forgiveness when we do things that aren't so good. And then it comes. You feel it again, don't you? It feels really strong. But you have to be in contact. When Jesus went away on Ascension Day, he went to be with his Father in heaven. But he is still here, breathing the Holy Spirit's love and power on us just like this wind you might not see it but you can feel it in your hearts you can feel the spirit's power you can sense his presence you can even feel that tugging in your heart when god wants you to do something good we have to remember that in order for the spirit of god of god to dwell in us we have to follow god we have to follow god the father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It takes all three to make our lives complete. Okay, let us pray. Father, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Even though we cannot see him, we are thankful that we can hear him speak to our hearts, feel his presence in our daily lives, and see him moving us to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen
3: amen amen thanks kids you guys can go back to your seats I want to remind you this morning to continue to be in prayer for your church family pray especially for the family of Dorothy Egan who passed away this past week and uh, certainly also be in prayer for vacation Bible school uh, really excited for that coming up here in a couple weeks and looking forward to welcoming all of the kids here from the church and the community to be a part of that um, pray for them pray for A week of joy uh, to learn about Christ and certainly be praying for the teachers and helpers and volunteers as well. Um, We're so thankful for all of you who commit to serve and be a part of that ministry and we are thankful for you and pray for God's blessings on you as you serve in that way. I also want to encourage you to be in prayer for Mark Bird. He is uh, the recipient of our designated offering this morning. Mark is a uh, serves with Revive Ohio, a ministry that spreads the gospel all across the state, which is a part of the Greater Revive ministry all over this country. So, uh, Mark, the offering today, if you choose to give, will go towards the uh, Mark mini- Revive Ohio and Mark Bird, so that he can continue to serve the Lord in that way. And just to note: Mark will actually be with us here in a few weeks. On Sunday, June 13th, he'll be here to give us an update on his ministry and also share the word that, this, that morning. So, I know many of you know Mark, and looking forward to hearing from him personally here in a couple weeks. That being said, I want to invite the deacons to come forward to receive our morning offering and invite you to listen to the choir as they bless us with music.
1: What a privilege it is to be able to sing about this sweet land of liberty. For most of us, a song about America and the sight of the red, white, and blue is all it takes to make our heart beat a little harder and put a lump in our throat. We know we are a blessed people, and each 4th of July, no matter where we are across this land, we take time to remember why we love our country so much.
3: and thank Holly Smith and the choir for for singing this morning and all year long with the bell choir as well. It's been a joy to have everyone back uh, after the pandemic and having to take a break from that for a while. It's been a joy to have the choir singing up front, bell choirs ringing on occasion. So thank you to Holly. Thank you to everybody that's been involved in that. Appreciate all you've done this last year and look forward to you guys coming back together in the fall. So thank you, choir. Uh, This time, I want to encourage you to continue to stand as we continue to praise God together by singing number 52 in the blue hymnals, O God, our help in ages past. Amen. I invite you to pray with me. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you have been our help in ages past and you are certainly our hope for years to come. Lord, a song like this reminds us of of your faithfulness and reminds us that because you've been faithful in the past and you continue to be faithful in the present, we know, Lord God, that you'll be faithful to us and to your word and to your people in the future. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we praise you and give you the glory that you deserve this day and every day, Lord. This is the day that you have made. And so we we rejoice and we're glad in it. And Lord, that, that hope and that promise that we have in you is for the good days when we have lots to celebrate and be thankful for. But it's also for the days that are harder than others. The days where we don't know where else to turn or where else to go. Lord, we know we can turn to you and we can rejoice because of your good promises and because of your presence with us. We thank you that on this day of Pentecost, we remember the gift of your Holy Spirit with us, that no matter where we go, no matter what situations we face, no matter what challenges may arise in our lives, you are present with us through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you do not leave nor abandon your people. So on Pentecost Sunday, we are thankful for the gift of your Holy Spirit and pray, Lord, that we would be able to know and experience your Holy Spirit this day and every day. Lord, we lift up the, the burdens and the concerns that are uh, in our congregation this morning. We pray for those that are hurting, that they would be well. We pray for those that need provision, that you, Lord, would be pro- be the provision they need. And in all things, Lord, help us, your people, to be the answer to prayer where we are able to do that. We pray, especially for Mark Bird and Revive Ohio, we pray that the offering we collect this morning would further the work of your kingdom and, and as a result of his ministry and the, the overall ministry of Revive Ohio. And we also look forward to VBS and pray for your hand to be upon that ministry here in this community. May you draw people here to this place that we may shine your light and share the good news of Jesus with all who are participating. Lord, again, we thank you, you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We pray all these things in the name of our, your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power And the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated.
4: Today's scripture reading is John 15, starting at verse 26 through chapter 16, verse 11. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the father or me. I have told you this. So that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good. That I am going away. Unless I go away. The advocate will not come to you. But if I go. I will send him to you. When he comes. He will prove the world to be in the wrong. About sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin. Because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned.
3: Thank you, Sharon. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that we have an opportunity now as your people to open your word together. To study it, and to hear what you have to say to us through it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give me words to speak, and that you'd open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm not typically one to uh, focus a whole lot on uh, the liturgical calendar of the church. Growing up, I was a part of a church that didn't really focus on holidays like the Ascension, on Pentecost... We didn't even really do a whole lot for Lent besides obviously approaching Easter Sunday and Holy Week and all of that. But it's been really joyful to be a bit more on the church calendar and on the holidays that come around. And today is another one of those holidays. It is the day of Pentecost. And it's really, if you want to think about it, it's a birthday. It's a birthday of the church. On Pentecost Sunday, back in Acts chapter 2, it was the day that the church was born. As I was thinking about that, I couldn't help but remember one of my first birthdays here in New Knoxville. Uh, I was, it was the first year I was here. Obviously, I guess you have a birthday every year, don't you? Uh, The first year I was here, I had turned 30, in fact. It was kind of a, you know, big deal to turn 30, enter a new decade. And I remember that Sunday morning. I don't remember who the lay leader was or, um, you know, I heard afterwards who who set this up. But I I will let that person remain nameless. But I know for sure it wasn't Sharon Cheney because as the announcement that it was my birthday came along, she began to play happy birthday, and the whole church started singing, and I could see her from the piano going, I'm sorry, <laughs> mouthing it to me in my direction. But it was, it was sweet, you know, it was the, the church singing happy birthday, and it was, it was great. But as, as, as we do this, as we look at Pentecost today, it really is the birthday of the church. It is the day that the church was born. It came into existence. And on that day, something very special happened, and that was the gift that the believers received, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see, and and Carolyn did a wonderful job leading us into this this morning, we see the promise that Jesus made before he ascended to heaven to be with the Father, that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them. He tells the disciples to wait until they receive the gift before they go out into the world to share the good news. And then a few days later, the believers were praying together in an upper room, and the Spirit descended upon them in the form of these flaming tongues that came and rested on each one of their heads. And in that moment, all of the believers, all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to preach the Word of God boldly. In fact, Peter stood up that day and gave what is known as the first sermon. And that sermon focused on the death and resurrection of Christ. And rightly so, because one of the Holy Spirit's main jobs is to testify about Jesus, to point people to who he is and what he's done for us. And then at the very end of that sermon, the people respond and they say, what shall we do? And Peter tells them, repent, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. And we're going to start today about the Holy Spirit's role in salvation. I am, one of my least favorite parts of preparing sermons is coming up with the titles. I feel like they never are the right way to put it. And I always second-guess myself, and today I am second-guessing myself quite a bit because it's called Salvation and Sanctification. Well, we're going to be focusing a lot on salvation today we're going to focus on sanctification a little bit more next week. So our focus here today is going to be on salvation. How God, through the Holy Spirit, helps convert us and regenerate us into new creations. Next week we're going to talk more about the role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives as he helps guide us and teach us what it means to follow Christ. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about how, how the Holy Spirit empowers and equips believers to live for Him and to serve Him in the world. If you think about it, the, what the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives actually coincides very well with our, uh, our motto, our, 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 uh, not our faith statement, but, but the rooted in Christ, growing together, serving the world. Right? He helps us to be rooted in Christ through, through helping us be saved and forgiven. He helps us to grow together through that process of sanctification where we are being made more and more like Christ each day. And then he helps us to go and serve the world by equipping us and empowering us to live for him. The Holy Spirit then is the gift that is given to all born-again believers. It's the repeated testimony throughout the book of Acts. Every time you see a person trust in Christ, they repent from their sins, they are filled with the Holy Spirit as they trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Now, it's important to note that, like in many other aspects of salvation and and many other aspects of God's work in this world, all three members of the Trinity play an important role in our salvation. It's according to the will of God the Father. Salvation is achieved through the death and resurrection of God the Son, and it is applied, then, to the believer through God the Holy Spirit. And that's the part that we're going to focus on today. We know passages like John three sixteen that say, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? We're familiar with those passages that focus on God's love for us and what Jesus did to redeem us. Today we're going to focus in on, on the Holy Spirit's role in salvation and what it means for us. I mentioned two words already, conversion and regeneration. I want to take just a moment and try to explain those for us today because those are terms that, that Christians can throw around and maybe we don't always take a moment to pause and really reflect on what they mean. Conversion and regeneration are really two sides of the same coin. Conversion refers to the human turning to God, right? A person choosing to turn away from their sins, which is called repentance, right? And, and turning towards God in faith. Right? It's the decision we must make, right? Peter tells the people on the day of Pentecost, repent and believe the good news. In fact, that was Jesus' very first message. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus began his ministry, the very first thing he says was repent and believe the good news. So conversion is about the, the, the person's decision to turn away from their sin and turn towards God. But simultaneous with that is the act of regeneration, which is what God does for the person who converts, who repents. It's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit where a person is born again and they are a new creation. The terms used to describe regeneration in the New Testament are numerous, they're varied, um, they're very vivid, right, expressions. Um, And one of them is is to be a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If anyone is is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. There's a transformation that takes place. I'm not talking physically, right? You can't look at someone physically and know that they are born again or they have the Spirit residing in them. Like Carolyn said, the the Spirit moves like the wind, right? You can't always see it, but you can see the effects of it. So the transformation isn't something physical, but it's internal. It's spiritual. We become new creations. We become children of God. We become born again. We become in Christ. Scripture says that human beings apart from God are spiritually dead. But we're made alive in Christ. That's what we talk about when we talk about regeneration. And so this passage that Sharon read for us, we see the Holy Spirit's role in that. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples and he tells them that he is going to go to the Father and he's going to send an advocate to be with us. That word advocate is translated a variety of ways, depending on which version of the Bible you have in front of you. You could see a variety of different terms It could be translated counselor or helper or comforter. It's hard to translate because it literally means one who is called alongside. One who is called alongside the believer. That's the Holy Spirit's role, to be present with us in life no matter what we face. God gives us His Spirit to be present with us, and He is the Spirit of truth who will testify about Jesus. And we'll see in just a moment how the Spirit testifies but first, we need to make sure that we are all on the same page and know what the presence of the Holy Spirit does not mean for us. Because Jesus, at the end of chapter 15, says, I'm going to send an advocate to be with you. And he's going to testify. He's the Spirit of truth. The Father and I are sending him to be there. But then he opens chapter 16 with a few verses that remind the disciples of the challenge that they will face in this world. So we need to remember that the Holy Spirit And His presence in our lives does not guarantee peace and prosperity for us. The road ahead is going to be very difficult for them. And it's important to understand the context of when and where Jesus is telling His disciples this. In John 16, Jesus is with His disciples in the upper room. They had just shared the Last Supper together. Jesus had just knelt down and washed their feet. We see that in John 13. And then for the preceding chapters in 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus is teaching his disciples right there in the upper room. So think about what that means. Jesus is telling them all of these things that are going to happen to them, that they're going to be persecuted, that they're going to be shamed, that they're going to be thrown out of the synagogues, that people will try to kill them and think that they're doing God a service. And think about what's about to happen to Jesus. Jesus, in a, mere, in a matter of mere hours, is about to be arrested Judas will lead a mob of Roman soldiers and religious leaders to the garden. Jesus will be beaten, mocked, and crucified. And in less than 24 hours from the very moment that Jesus is telling them this, he'll be dead in a tomb. And he's trying to tell them that if that's the way they're about to treat Jesus, that's certainly the way that they're going to treat you too. The persecution didn't stop there. We see it throughout the book of Acts. Stephen, a disciple, is martyred. Followers are thrown into jail all over Jerusalem and in the, in the known world. And a man named Saul is described as breathing murderous threats towards the believers as he travels around persecuting them. And so Jesus warns them all. He says, look, I'm going to be with the Father. I'm going to send you a helper, an advocate. But that doesn't mean it's going to make everything easy from that point on. Following Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't mean that he's going to make it easy, but it does mean he will give us the strength to endure whatever hardship comes our way. Jesus promises his disciples repeatedly, not just here but throughout the Gospels, that they will be hated, mocked, and persecuted because of their decision to trust in Jesus. Following him isn't easy, but I will tell you today it is certainly worth it. Following him is not easy, but it is worth it. At the end of chapter 16, in verse 33, Jesus tells his disciples this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Right? That's the promise that God makes to us in Christ and through his Holy Spirit, that we may have peace, not as the world gives, but only the kind of peace that comes from Christ. Peace in the midst of troubles and circumstances. So setting the record straight and making sure they know what they have to look forward to, Jesus then tells them the role that the Holy Spirit will play in their lives. And he tells them the Holy Spirit will, is coming in order to prove the world to be in the wrong about three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. When Jesus says he's proving the world wrong, he's talking about the unbelieving world. The world is often used as a euphemism to describe the unbelievers in the world. And so he's saying one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to come and to prove unbelievers, to prove the world to be wrong in these things. Another way to put that is to convict them about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Why do people need to be convicted? Why do they need to be proven to be in the wrong? Because unbelievers are spiritually blind, unaware of their sin and need for salvation. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 if you 're apart from Christ you 're blinded right? you don't you can 't see your own sin it 's like we have a giant blind spot and you 're just unaware of it or even if you are are aware of your sin there 's no no desire no need to change and so the holy spirit's role is to to convict or to convince the world about these things now it 's important to note there 's a difference between conviction and condemnation it may seem like i 'm I'm splitting hairs here, but hear me out. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And conviction leads to repentance or, you know, and, and turning back to God. That's ultimately the goal in this whole process. Is the Holy Spirit convicts us so that we may repent and turn to God and be saved. Condemnation, on the other hand, is from the enemy. Condemnation says, you're not good enough. You've messed up too much. You've You've sinned too often and too, and too big, right? You, you are worthless. You see the difference there? One leads to repentance. One leads to reconciliation and redemption. The other only leads to shame and guilt and driving you further from the Lord. But hear what Paul says in Romans 8.1. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're in Christ, there is nothing to fear. There is no condemnation. Sin has been forgiven and you are redeemed. Which means you have nothing to worry about. Those whispers of shame and guilt, right? That, that try to turn you away from God and, and run from Him. Those are whispers from the enemy. And they need to be ignored. But the Holy Spirit convicts us so that we may recognize our need for Christ and turn to Him. The Spirit leads to freedom in Christ. So let's talk about those three things. How does the Spirit do that? How does he convict us of our, about sin, righteousness, and judgment? Well, first we need to see that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand sin for what it truly is, right? He says here, Jesus says here that, that ultimately sin is, is not believing in Jesus, right? There's a lot of ways that that works itself out in a person's life, but the absolute bottom root of sin is rejecting Jesus as Savior and Lord, right not following him as as the ruler and sustainer of this universe right as the one who laid down his life for us that is at the root of all sin now we approach sin in a in a variety of different ways right the world i should say the world approaches sin in a variety of different ways some don't believe in it at all some say sin is just an old archaic concept that doesn't need to be talked about anymore that there is no such thing as sin there's no such thing as right and wrong. There's no such thing as good or bad, right? Everybody just does what they want to do. And as long as they're not bothering anybody else, they're free to do that. That ignores the reality of sin in this world. Some people approach sin as something that only applies to other people, right? I've got it all figured out, but you need to go talk to those people, right, <laughs> about their sin. Or we, we're, if, even if we are aware of our own sin... We think that God grades on a curve, and we're not as bad as them, so then we don't have to worry about it. They're the ones that need to get their act together. The third way that we sometimes approach sin is that we take it, and and don't, don't take this out of context, but we almost take it too seriously. And what I mean by that is we allow the weight and guilt of our sin to then drive us away from Christ, that we think that we need to fix it ourselves. That our sin is something that we need to then pay back. And we need to earn our way into God's love and salvation. So we allow the weight and the guilt of sin to, to burden us so much that we don't recognize and see the free gift of salvation in Christ. So what is the truth about sin? Well, the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals to our, lot and to our hearts and our minds is that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? That word all is very important. That includes every single one of us, including myself, right? We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And Scripture makes that point over and over and over again. And so in order to experience God's grace, we we need to start by recognizing our own sin in our lives. People need to be aware of their sin in order to repent, right? If we don't believe sin exists or we don't think it's affected us, then we have nothing to repent from. We have nothing to confess and therefore no need to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. So that's what the a right understanding about sin, it opens up our blind eyes so that we can see sin for what it truly is, not to condemn us, but to convict us, so that the Holy Spirit can do His work and bring us to repentance. So the Holy Spirit helps us understand sin for what it is, but it also help, He also helps us understand righteousness. And this is important because... Jesus is the only righteous one. I said already, one of our misunderstandings about sin is that we think we can fix it ourselves. That sin is a problem that we need to to get right before we come to God. That we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps before it's too late. But if it were up to us, we'd fail miserably. Right. Righteousness has two basic meanings. One, it can mean right standing before God. In other words, being declared innocent. And for example, like in a court of law. Righteousness can also mean doing the right thing, which is like an ongoing process. But neither of those we can, can we achieve on our own. There is no way we can be declared righteous before God because we're all guilty of sin. That's what we talk, talked about already. And certainly none of us are always going to be doing the right thing because you and I both know that we make mistakes way too often, right? Whether it's in thought, word, or deed, whether it's things we've done or left undone, none of us are perfect. So we need a righteousness that comes from somewhere else. We need a righteousness that's not our own. We need a righteousness that is applied, that is, that is earned by Christ and applied to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to read Paul's words to you from Philippians chapter 3. Paul had a lot to brag about. From a worldly perspective, he had earned a lot. But he says this in Philippians 3, beginning verse 4. He says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I face death. Excuse me, I lost my place. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage for I, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. This righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Did you pick up on what Paul is saying there in that passage? He says if anybody deserves righteousness based on their behavior, it's me. I've been faultless according to the law. But he says all of that is worth nothing compared to knowing Christ. It's garbage. It's worthless apart from Christ. It's not righteousness that we earn from ourselves. It's righteousness that we receive through Christ by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, I think it sums up this exchange very well. Speaking of Jesus, it says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might in him become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our sin, our shame, our guilt, our punishment upon himself on the cross. And in return, we receive his righteousness, his his innocent and right standing before God and his perfect obedience is applied to us. So that's sin, that's righteousness. Holy Spirit also helps us to understand judgment. The ruler of this world is Satan. He's been judged. He's been defeated. Victory was achieved by Christ at the cross. Just like we don't like to talk about sin in our world, we certainly don't like to talk about judgment either. But we must remember that, that one day God will judge us. God will return and judge the living and the dead. That's what the Apostles' Creed teaches us. So scripture teaches us. But let me tell you, let me let you in on a little bit of a secret. I shouldn't say secret, that's not the right word. Let me let you in on what scripture teaches us about that moment. When we stand before God in judgment, it's the old, what's going to make the difference isn't how we've behaved or what kind of life we've lived. Because again, based on sin and righteousness, we are all guilty based on that criteria. How are we saved? Where does salvation and forgiveness and redemption come from? It comes from being in Christ. That's the criteria that we will have to face on judgment day. Are you in Christ? For those in Christ, the judgment has already been rendered. Christ was punished on our behalf, and in return we received his, the righteousness based on his perfect obedience. There's one other spot in Scripture where this word advocate is used. In First John 2.1, the Apostle John writes, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Not only, not only is the Holy Spirit our advocate here on earth as we strive to live for Him, but Jesus is our advocate in heaven, pleading because of His sacrifice, because of His forgiveness. We know that we, have, we are redeemed. So all of this the Holy Spirit does in our life to bring us to a point where we can repent and turn from Him. When we have a better understanding of sin and righteousness and judgment, it brings us to the point where we can turn from our sins and turn towards Christ. That's that conversion part. But then simultaneously, along with that, when we make a decision to trust in Christ, in that very moment, God also regenerates us, which means that we are changed, we are made new, we are born again, and He gives His Holy Spirit to live within us. And when that happens, we are, we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. As Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that we are born of the Spirit, born from above, and we must be born again in order to receive the kingdom. So I wrap up here this morning. I want to ask you a couple questions as it relates to this. I want to encourage you to pray, I should say, I want you to encourage you, not questions, but I want to encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit would convict your heart of sin. And here's where the questions come in. Are you right now aware of your sinfulness and your need for Christ? That's a good thing, right? That means the Holy Spirit is working right now in your heart, in your mind. And now is the time to confess, repent, and turn to Jesus. And that's an ongoing commitment. Don't think that's just for something for VBS kids or confirmation kids or unbelievers. Repentance is something we all have to go through all the time. It's an ongoing attitude, not a one-time decision. You can pray something like Psalm 139, 23-24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't really have anything to repent of. I'm not that bad of a person. I want to encourage you, if that's you today, pray that the Holy Spirit would soften your heart and convict you because we are all sinners in need of a Savior. In 1 Timothy, and I'll close with these words, 1 Timothy 1.15. This is Paul writing to his protege Tim- Titus, excuse me, Timothy, encouraging him in, in his ministry. And he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. If Paul could say that, then so can we. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you sent your Spirit here to dwell with your people. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that you've come to convince the world, an unbelieving world, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I pray, Lord, that we would all know and experience that for ourselves, that we all may call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And Holy Spirit, I, I thank you that you dwell within your people and may you continue to guide us and direct us as we seek to follow you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service in worship, a service of worship and song this morning. I invite you to stand and sing our last praise song this morning. It's called Egypt. The words are in your bulletin.
2: I won't forget the one.
0: deliverance, the exodus of my heart. You found me, you freed me, held back the waters so of my release. Oh, God. guiding light to my feet. You found me. You freed me. Held back You marched me out in freedom Into the promised land And now I will not forget you, God I'll sing of all you've done Death is swallowed up forever By the fury of your love Cause you stepped into my Egypt And you took me by the hand And you marched me out in freedom into the promised land. Now I will not
3: May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You may go in peace. Amen.
0: The wayside, lost on a lonely road. I was chasing the high life, trying to satisfy my soul.